0: Within cybersecurity, we have a a bunch of hypocrisy in in multiple ways. Um, One being that we tell people that, you know, you need to expect a breach. Um, That's what zero trust is all about, is that um, it's not about if, it's about when this breach is gonna happen, right? And then as soon as an organization has a breach, then we're treating them as the villain. You didn't have the right security uh, posture in place. You didn't do this. Um, you don't have enough people for this. And you know, how do we, we shouldn't expect to have it both ways. Um, You know, if we think there's going to be a breach because actors are motivated and it's going to happen, then when it does happen, how do we rally around, you know, companies and individuals to say, you know, as a cyber community, we're going after these bad actors. We're not going after the individuals or, you know, folks that were harmed as a result. Um, Another type of hypocrisy that I see is that, And, you know, this is played out in a bunch of different ways, and we don't have to go into the rabbit hole, but, um, you know, cybersecurity and folks being very burned out, but yet we're not willing to coach and train junior people who can maybe, uh, you know, alleviate some of that burnout in certain ways, Um, or we make make it seem that this field is so hard to get into, or um, these hurdles with certifications, which I have plenty, and you know, training, and I have plenty, but maybe that doesn't always need to be the case for, for folks. Um, you know, how do we have apprenticeships where people learn on the job and can support, you know, different scenarios?
1: Welcome back to another episode of Bare Knuckles and Brass Tacks. This is the cybersecurity podcast that tackles the vendor customer relationship and everything in between. I'm George K with the vendor side.
2: And I'm George A, a chief information security officer.
1: And today we have Shanisa Cambrick, principal product manager at Microsoft, best-selling author, RSA speaker, and advocate for the marginalized in our industry. Welcome to the show.
0: Thank you, George. You're making me smile. Appreciate it.
1: Yeah, I was doing the math while I was making dinner tonight. and I was like, we have been friends for two years. I don't know where the time went, but I'm glad that we have it here. So let's start with your journey into cyber. Can you give us like the quick and dirty version of, of how you got into this crazy industry?
0: Yeah. So I'd say I've pretty much always been in cyber. So straight out of college, had a job in application security, went into governance, risk, and compliance. And this was all before cyber was a thing. So right around mm-hmm. the time that SOX was coming out, um, they needed people who you know were interested in learning uh, that and yeah. weren't afraid of you know governance, risk, and compliance. And so raised my hand, jumped in, learned that, learned identity and access management, went from there to now a career in product development.
1: Wow, that is, yeah, that's a long time. That that means
2: you're a veteran. I really like it, yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, All right, well, you're on the practitioner side, uh, even though you're with a vendor, so I'm going to take first crack. So tell us why we're here. This journey you've been on, which I've known, and I think you now have shared because you've set it down in print, is one of somebody who... Just had it a banner year, right? You wrote a best-selling book on uh, best practices for cloud auditing. Mm-hmm. You spoke at RSA. You contributed to this new book, which is amazing. Uh, Securing our future with Thank the you. Black Women in Cybersecurity Collective. But it wasn't always that way, right? And this was like way. you. You and have I had you and I have had this conversation, but I, I wanted you on the show because I I want everyone to hear it. And so just give us a little background there of, of how we got
0: to where we are today. Yeah. Yeah. So I've always been the type of person, and I guess part of this was messaging, you know, growing up and part of it was just personality, but um, you know, keeping your head down that you do quote unquote, the right things um, you're helpful. You go above and beyond when you can um, you partner with folks, you try not to, you know, Raise you know feathers and everything's gonna work out in your favor when you do that. You know people mm-hmm. in leadership they're gonna see that you're this this great person who's contributing to the company and um you know you're a team player and so they're gonna look out for you. And for me that only took me so far. Yes in the early stages you know as a, a new person within cybersecurity and they see you have this interest to grow and they want to groom you and you know um, get you in places that can help support the company. But then, when you get to the point of you're a little bit senior in your career and you're looking to go into leadership or more senior levels of leadership, that's when you can hit a, I guess I'll say a brick brick wall. Depending upon what you've done with your network, depending upon mm-hmm. what you've done with your personal brand, depending upon how you've communicated your goals to other people and built, um, you know, relationships with those people, so that equity in relationships with other individuals, and I had gotten to that point. And no one had taught me, I guess I never really picked up on it, that it's really important Mm -hmm. from the networking aspect, um, if you want to grow your career, that you have to do those things. Um, Again, I just thought it was, you know, a natural um, progression, just because they saw I had the aptitude for it. And I knew I had the aptitude for it. And I never really asked for it, though. Um, And so I got in this meeting one year, and for me, it was, it was, quote unquote, another banner year, but I had done all the, the right things. Um, we had a lot of success and I was expecting to hear, you know, Shanisa, you're ready for promotion. Um, let's put you forward. And what I actually heard was, Shanisa, you did this great job. Yes, we're going to give you this great merit, but I'm not willing to put you up for promotion because nobody knows who you are. And, yeah. The, yeah, that was kind of like a gut punch at the moment. Yeah, <laughs> like, man. And in this particular environment, I felt like everybody knew who I was because I was the go-to person. When there was a problem to be solved, people were at my desk looking for me to do it. Um, mm. And so I really didn't understand. What do you mean nobody knows who I am? The company's not that large, but, <laughs> yeah.
1: All right. So, yeah. yeah. So you heard that news and then uh, you were like, you know what? I'm going to show you a thing or
0: two. <laughs> well, you know, and, and honestly, I didn't really take it quite that way. Um, it was really, really hurtful at the moment. And part of me mm-hmm. was, what is this individual really trying to say to me? Because I know, you know, saying
2: mm-hmm. nobody knows
0: who you are, that that's really not the case. Um, yeah. But what they were saying to me was, I'm not willing to risk my equity um, to sponsor you for other levels of leadership or other levels of visibility, because I don't know what it is um, that you want out of your career. I don't know what it is that's, uh, how that's gonna support this other individual's career. Um, mm-hmm. And so for me, it was taking a step back to say, one, I had never communicated the fact that I wanted to be promoted. Um, Cause I've had questions like that, you know, oh, you wanna be promoted? Well, doesn't everybody wanna be promoted? But yeah, you really that's like, not the isn't, case.
1: isn't that the subtext? Isn't that why we're all here?
0: Hey, hey, but, you think yeah. that, but.
2: I, I think, though, that 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 manager, the way that you're explaining it to me, that rationale, um, and I put this politely, is exceptionally porous. Um, that, that is not a justifiable reason not to promote a high performance individual. I mean, as a manager, your job is to identify individuals that should be succession planned and elevated. And you initiate that conversation as the manager, if they don't, like if you're doing it right, what it sounds like to me. And I think the reason why you got pissed off because you knew it, (laughs) you popped out. He was giving you a cop out and you knew it. And you were like, fuck that. I'm going to go beast mode and smash yeah. this career. And no one's going to know who you are. So have fun. Right. But I,
1: but I do like that you, yes, you, it's okay to feel hurt and you process that hurt. But you were like, <clears throat> what is, what is the what? Because if you just, uh, I guess, spin on the pain, mm-hmm. it, you know, it isn't really like, what do I, you can't Oh, do there, there's plenty of
2: bitter people in this industry, bro. <laughs> <laughs> well,
0: well to how, how, you know,
1: how far are they getting?
0: So. I didn't want to be bitter. That's what it was. I didn't want, uh, you know, this individual or those words to impact the rest of my life in a negative way. Um, nice. So I'm always the type of person, um, and you'll read about this a bit in the book as well, in that if there's a challenge, Um, you know, game on for me. I'm going to prove to you that I can accomplish this thing. I can do this thing, right? And so that's what kind of turned on. You talked about beast mode. That's kind of what I went into is I know I'm capable of this. I know I can do more than what I'm doing at the moment. I've been playing small. How do I step into all that I know that I'm I'm capable of doing? And how do I, you know, show other people that they're capable of these things too? Nice.
2: Yeah, I mean, look, if you want to talk about beast mode, I, I would, I would, uh, I love football. I don't know if you love football at all, but I, uh, I think your run after that, like RSA speaker, published author, best selling, starting a nonprofit, helping marginalized people and you are in a principal product management role at literally the biggest fang in the world, <laughs> you are the Marshawn Lynch of cyber.
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay,
2: <laughs> like I love it. <laughs> and speaking of the book, which is like a good segue, uh, in the book that you you know helped write, and, and thank you, by the way, for being kind enough to share that with George and I. It was really good for yep, prep in advance. Um, I particularly appreciated the part about you being a person who loves going after new or novel challenges that mm-hmm. seem to, uh, you know, sidestep away from or people just they don't look at them as opportunities how important would you say the skill of finding impactful problems is um you know for someone's career growth and for their for their you know not just professional growth but their personal satisfaction how do you even tell if a problem is potentially impactful to solve to begin with
0: for me that boils down to what are your personal goals. Um, I decided along around the time that you know all of this was happening with this manager and promotion and so forth, that what I wanted to do was be a role model for other people like me. So a, a woman, a person of color, um, somebody who's an introvert, somebody who may think differently. Um, and so how can I get myself into spaces to show them that this is possible? Um, you know, sometimes there may be scenarios are rooms that are you know full of of white men and so maybe a woman of color wants to be in those rooms but she's afraid to raise her hand I'm not afraid to raise my hand and be in that room and have those conversations and make it a safe space for other people to be there Um, so I, I guess my answer is yeah what are you what are you actively trying to seek what is most meaningful to you in terms of your career and your personal growth and then raise your hand for those opportunities.
2: So, so really it's a matter of like the introspective self-discovery of who am I, what matters to me, and kind of like guiding your compass and what you do in your career decisions along to keep alignment with like what matters to you. Like for example, if um, someone really, really has a knack for sales, And they find themselves by some miracle in an operations role, (laughs) they're probably gonna be like, Man, I really, really hate analyzing packets, but I really love meeting quotas. Right? Like
0: well, maybe they use that as a stepping stone to something else. What can I learn in this particular job in this season with these people that can take me to that next level? Um, are there people around that can, uh, you know, coach me and groom me, or maybe I can contribute to them being coached and groomed at this point in time and it goes back to building your network. Right.
2: So every opportunity is a learning opportunity
0: for me. Yes. Yes. I mean,
1: I think that's also like the introvert superpower (laughs) that doesn't get talked about right. And I'm going to use that term to mean like the introverts are the people who draw energy from, you know, I need that quiet space and I draw it from within versus extroverts, which is nothing against extroverts, but you're drawing your energy from, you know, being in the milieu. So it sounds like that story is one of where like you take that and you internalize it, but that introspection also leads to like, I know how to do this, I know I can do this. Right. And that that power comes from within. So, all right, Sheniza, we're in the uh bare knuckles portion of the show again airing of grievances and you and i had been talking a little bit before the interview and that was about what we are going to generally label as hypocrisy in cybersecurity. Mm. so um i want to give you the space and the platform to kind of talk about that and then we might dig in a little bit further
0: Yeah. Yeah. So just, you know, coming across a couple of articles this past week, it struck me how within cybersecurity, we have a a bunch of hypocrisy in in multiple ways. Um, One being that we tell people that, you know, you need to expect a breach. Um, That's what zero trust is all about, is that um, it's not about if, it's About when this breach is going to happen, right? And then, as soon as an organization has a breach, then we're treating them as the villain. You didn't have the right security uh, posture in place. You didn't do this. Um, You Mm -hmm. don't have enough people for this. And, you know, how do we? we shouldn't expect to have it both ways. Um, You know, if we think there's going to be a breach because actors are motivated and it's going to happen, then when it does happen, how do we rally around, you know, companies and individuals to say, you know, as a cyber community, we're going after these bad actors. We're not going after the individuals or, you know, folks that were harmed as a result. Um, Another type of hypocrisy that I see is that, And, you know, this is played out in a bunch of different ways, and we don't have to go into the rabbit hole, but, um, you know, cybersecurity and folks being very burned out, but yet we're not willing to coach and train junior people who can maybe, uh, you know, alleviate some of that burnout in certain ways. Um, Or we make make it seem that this field is so hard to get into or um, these hurdles with certifications, which I have plenty and, you know, training and I have plenty, but maybe that doesn't always need to be the case for, for folks. Um, You know, how do we have apprenticeships where people learn on the job and can support, you know, different scenarios? So those are two that came to mind.
1: Just just those two, just minor issues in the industry. No, I have a lot of thoughts about both of those. Yeah, the hypocrisy thing is very tricky because it's a cultural issue as far as I see it, right? We have a lot of things going on. We, there is a martyrdom, there's a culture of martyrdom, right, that comes from, like, I'm the only one who knows how to stop these things and I have this technical know-how, so that can lead to the burnout. Like, I, you know, the, I have to do that and I'm the only one who can, which is a little bit of a savior complex, that's fine. <clears throat> the name and shame thing is also very disturbing. Um, I don't think it makes us safer, especially when yeah. you consider if if let's say a bank gets breached and you know it's got the ttps of a certain threat actor but they're so afraid to talk about it Mm
0: -hmm.
1: meanwhile some other orgs same or so there's you know in a other scenario if there was like uh an active armed group like in the streets like we would be sharing that intelligence in order to stop the threat actor so to like the hunker down mentality or like the lawyers get involved and they're like well it's not of a a material impact to the company so we don't have to disclose it like that's very frustrating right because (laughs) I just feel like there should be more information sharing, but people are afraid to do it because they're afraid of their peers, basically.
0: That's exactly what it is. And I know there's, you know, sharing that sometimes happens behind the scenes, but Mm. if we made it safer for folks to share, I think there'd be a lot more companies who could take advantage of this. Um, We'd be able to shut down a lot more of these, you know, bad actors who are doing these things, you know, in the dark um, because we shine a light on that. But um, yeah, yeah, or
1: they... um, or the even the the very beleaguered um smb sector right like that sector doesn't have the resources of enterprise so if anything they absolutely need that information because they don't have the resources they don't have the wherewithal i have been toying with this idea there is this database uh it's called the asrs it is maintained by nasa it's where aviation companies and pilots can anonymously report mm-hmm. mistakes, errors, uh situations like you know, you could say like I forgot to double check the whatever pressure valve and at like 30,000 feet I got this warning light and whatever, but it's all anonymous, but the they learn from that. And I've, you know, we have things like FSISAC, HSISAC. It's like intelligence sharing, yeah. but I want people to be like I totally misconfigured this setting and left something exposed to the internet and I discovered it. Fortunately, three days later, this is how I remediated it. How Mm -hmm. valuable would that be?
0: Yeah. Yeah. And people can learn from that. That's the, I think the most important thing there, um, rather than pointing fingers to say, you got it wrong and you don't know everything you think, you know? Um, Yeah. Yeah.
1: But I think it does, it feeds the other one, right? If it trickles down to the younger generation, they feel like they have to like go through this gauntlet of all this stuff and they chase these certs, which is fine, I guess. But like if you're just starting out, you having like three different certs is not materially better than if you just had more time on the keyboard, right? More time. I
0: agree. A thousand percent. And especially some of the folks that I mentor or I come in contact with, they have these certs in very different areas, disparate areas that really don't make sense just because they've seen that's the hottest thing. And Mm -hmm. I'm always, hey, these certs, they cost money to get, they cost money to maintain. This may not even be the career track that you want to go down. So be very careful about what it is you start investing your time into.
1: Yeah, it's sort of like those kids who go straight from college into a master's program, and I'm like, how can you be a master <laughs> of something you've never done before?
2: <laughs> and we also, like on
0: YouTube.
1: You, and also, like you may not know, you may not love that, like you may not be very passionate about that, and so like you were going to spend all this time, and you're like, well, it's a sunk cost. I've paid for this yeah. cloud auditing cert. I guess I'm going to be an auditor now even if I hate it. Uh, that's really weird, but yeah, yes, these are good points. I like that. We're bringing them up. Um, George, uh, over to you
2: on the topic of overcoming your introverted side to, to be the loud and proud leader that you've become. Can you talk about the mental process that you went through to get there? Like, was it just being challenged directly by that manager or have you always had the ability to put the fear aside and let your star shine?
0: Oh, I like the way that you said that. Um, But I do want to say I don't feel that I've overcome being an introvert, but I manage being an introvert uh, because Mm. I have something that's a bigger goal in mind that goes beyond that introversion that I'm willing to step out of that. I'm willing to, um, quote unquote, suffer through some pain um, so that I can reach those bigger goals. And I feel like that point in time with that manager that did help spark some of that because I had to do that introspection to say, what do I need to do differently to get different results? And part of that was, you know, speaking up and being more visible and sharing the work that I do and the work that I want to do. Um, and, you know, sharing my knowledge and encouraging other folks in terms of, you know, who wants to be in cyber or do these different things, or, um, you know, you want to be an introvert and start doing some speaking or be on a podcast. Um, But I had to put myself out there so that people could see um, somebody like them was doing these things too. Somebody who gets nervous in front of speaking um, to an audience is doing these things too. And so you can do it.
2: So really, it's just about letting yourself serve as a lived example so that, a lot of people can kind of see it's, it's kind of funny because I, I don't want to bring up affirmative action because like that's, that's kind of cliche, but it's more someone who looks like me, talks like me, may have the same kind of background as me is doing this big deal thing. Why can't I do it?
0: Exactly. So I wanted to help people to not have an excuse in that way. Um, you know, sometimes people say, if you can see it, you can be it. And so we need these role models and things like that. For me, I never really felt like I needed to see a role model who looked just like me to do it. I just needed to have the passion and the drive because I knew I was capable. Um, Mm. And so, you know, from there, if I set my mind to it, that's what's going to be done. Um, But I know that other people don't necessarily feel that same way. And so I want to put myself out there to be that role model, excuse me, role model that they might need.
2: Appreciate that live by example approach On to you, George.
1: Uh, super commendable
2: um well that'll
1: wrap up this half of the show and we'll be back after a short break thank you for listening we're grateful that you give time and attention to bare Knuckles and brass tacks every week if you dig the show we have a new way for you to support the show by becoming a member lend your support in the form of a one-time donation or join with one of our membership tiers starting for as little as three dollars a month Each membership tier comes with benefits, including the newest swag like hoodies, tote bags, and even the OG snapback hat. Any support helps offset the cost of producing the show, and we can do more fun things like make cooler swag. You can find the link in the show notes, and thanks again for listening. Now, back to our conversation with Shanisa Cambric. Welcome back. All right. So, Shanice is something different. We we asked the audience, uh, and I guess they really wanted to win a copy of this book. So, I said if we if you you know put some questions out there, we will ask them and you'll be entered to win uh, a copy of Securing Our Future: Embracing the Resilience and Brilliance of Black Women in Cyber, which is the new book that you contributed to along with a ton of superstars, many of whom I'm very proud to know, and we'll have a few more on the show. So the first question comes from uh, listener, Eloise. Hey, Eloise. Uh, so her question is, say you've got six to seven years experience in security, and now you're thinking about building your brand, actually putting some effort into as opposed to natural growth and perception, which I feel like we touched on in the first part of the show. Is it too late to kickstart that journey? Won't people already have some idea of your brand and what you bring already? And is it too late to change that outside perception?
0: Yeah, um, I totally relate to this question because that's pretty much where I was. I had this um, lengthy career up to this point um, prior to, you know, building this personal brand and going out and doing these things. And uh, internally, with the organization I was with, people perceived me a certain way because that's the way I had presented myself all this time. Um, and once I made the decision that I was going to do something differently, being consistent helps to overcome you know, some of those perceptions. But in addition to that, what I think is very effective or has been effective to me is how you engage with community and how you do that in a very authentic way to you, Um, Mm. not coming across as, you know, I'm pushing all this content. I want people to look at me and to read these things and build my personal brand and, you know, my likes and influence. But how do you, what is the message that you really feel like you want to drive forward to folks? What do you, what is it that you have to say? Right. And then from there, you're going to other people are going to connect with you based on uh, what resonates with them. For me, it was also about, uh, you know, how was I contributing back to the community that I wanted to be a part of, which is, you know, cybersecurity and women within cyber. So what are the organizations that do that? How can I find somebody to mentor or be mentored by within that organization? Mm. Um, How can I give of my time? How can I give of the knowledge and the things that I've learned so that people, other people can learn from those, right? So it wasn't just about, to me, about clout and you know building a brand per se but it was really about being a part of that community and raising um raising my awareness raising um, awareness of these communities and being a support
1: yeah i love that right that's a different take let me just hold on we gotta chew on that for a second okay so the marketer and me i actually don't really like personal brand because i don't think we're sort of like these commodities and i think i think i sense that in you because it's really like yeah. what do i stand for what do i like consistently yes. want to represent yes um i dig that i dig that as a vibe rather than like uh let me go out there for the likes and the whatever's you know
0: yes yes because I mean, for me, if you're doing it solely for likes and you know things like that, it's gonna turn into a job for you. And if that's mm-hmm. what you want, that's that's fine. And you know, there's avenues to to make all that work for you. But for me, I wanted it to be an authentic part of my life. Um, that this is who I am. That uh, you know, this is what I stand for. These are the experiences that I've had. Here's how I want to uh, you know share myself with other people. Uh, and I didn't want it to feel like a job. So it has to be when I post something or I talk to somebody, this is Shanisa. You're getting real Shanisa.
1: Word. I love it. All right. (laughs) George, over to you for our next question.
2: I I appreciate that. And I mean, maybe further along, we can kind of talk about like, what is the point of your brand as well? Because (laughs) Lord only knows I've griped to George uh, about certain individuals who... Grow a very large follower base, but don't really talk about anything substantive with regards to security, but call themselves security influencers. And I fucking hate them, but that's okay. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, so question from Emily. What's the 411 on algorithms and social networking sites? It seems like everyone says something different about what you should and what you should not do. What has worked for you and how do we build awareness online?
0: Yeah. Yeah, so there's definitely algorithms. I can't say that I know all the ins and outs of those particular algorithms. But um, if you're thinking about LinkedIn, what I've heard is Tuesdays and Wednesdays are probably the best times for you to post. Um, Try not to post multiple times in a day, Um, being careful of hashtags and how many people you might tag in a post. Those things might work. But I will say for myself, I don't necessarily always follow, you know, rules for an algorithm. Again, I don't want this to be work for me. Yeah. I want to authentically connect with folks. Um, and so, what I try to do is when I have a message that pops up in my head or somebody that I want to support, and um, make sure other people see this. Uh, I try to set aside time a couple of days a week to make sure that happens. I also try to um, use our leverage LinkedIn and the voices that I follow as uh, sources of knowledge, right? And so um, uh, responding to some of the things that they might post, it's not just, you know saying, oh, I like this, but um, can you talk back to these individuals, build a conversation online, um, share what was meaningful to you about what they posted. Um, And then the same thing for me. If somebody responds to a post of mine, sometimes I'll go to their DMs and say, hey, I really appreciate that you like this post and that you mentioned this idea. This may have sparked something else. Or um, I might try to connect them with somebody else who has similar views and, you know, similar goals and, you know, what can they accomplish together. And so, again, for me, it's like building community. It's not all about the algorithm. and so I encourage this uh, individual person to think about what is the message that you want to land? What is the community that you want to be connected to? Um, and uh, just making sure that what you post is something that you say in real life. It's not just, it's not, you know, LinkedIn or Twitter mm. stuff, at least for me. So,
2: yeah. yeah. I, I, will, I will, sorry, just want to caveat as well. There's something to be said about choosing when to respond and when not to respond. <laughs> cuz sometimes i'll i'll put out things that might be a little controversial and then people lose their minds and then i'm just like well my work here is done and i kind of walk away so
0: well, and i've had some people put some things or uh, you know reply to me with certain things that were a little testy but i've just learned over time how to recraft the way I respond to them um, so that it doesn't escalate to a certain level. It's, you know, Hey, thank you. I appreciate you pointing that out. And I didn't think of it that way. And um, again, for me, it's authentic and you know, we'll just leave it at that. I don't want to argue with you about it unless it's, you know,
2: at least we're not the toxic cesspool. That is the platform formerly known as Twitter, Ah. George on you. Yeah. I
1: mean, George and I have talked about when either of us get some insane reply, some bananas answer to something we posted you're like, well, that person has to live with that because now everyone knows that you're crazy. You know, <laughs> it's like, so I don't, I don't have to respond. You just, you just, you've just hung a billboard that says I'm a nut job. Mm-hmm. Um, but yes, to your point, Shanisa, and I want to reiterate this to our listener, Emily, that's how you and I met. Like, we yeah. didn't know each other we were just sort of going back and forth on a conversation and we connected 2 years ago and you know mm-hmm. that's blossomed into this bro story. that's
2: that's how you and I met
1: i know i just real that's how we all met <laughs> the funny yeah. thing
0: is the authors um are the co-authors of the books both books that's how i met them is through linkedin so yeah yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. i i uh i don't know i mean you could twist yourself into a pretzel not trying to game the algorithm i've told people that i treat linkedin as like a way to Think out loud about some of the issues. I don't necessarily have an agenda. I got a few things that I like to talk about: philosophy, or AI, this, or social engineering, that. But those are just like my obsessions. And I'd like, you know, read something, and I'm like cogitating on it, and oh, throw it out there into the world. But I try not. I mean, somebody just asked me the other day, is like, "What time do you post?" I was like, shrug, like I don't know <laughs> when it comes to me. Like, and sometimes it hits, and sometimes it doesn't. Well, whatever. So um, cool. Well, all right. So we have a question from a a very new listener, Jessica. Thank you for listening. If getting in front of someone is about relationships, as we've talked here, and who you know, but you're new to the field or new to the space, in this case of uh, sales and cyber, where do you start? What's the one thing you should do every day to build credibility and get visibility, but not come off as a creepy weirdo? What a great question. (laughs)
0: I think some of this um, I mentioned earlier is about how are you connecting with community and how are you sharing your thoughts or sharing how you've learned from somebody else's thoughts and what they've posted Um, and to me that's a a nice way to segue into one-on-one you know conversation so if you do Mm -hmm. slide into dms you don't seem quite as creepy because hey I commented on this and we have a shared you know love for you know a certain area and um, you know I've learned from this or Maybe I want to help you in a certain way and, um, you know, starting off there. But if the ultimate goal is to have the conversation back and forth so that you can slide in the DMs and then say, um, oh, I got this great product that I want to sell you. Yeah, that's a good way to get shut down. Um, I would say yeah. building that, <laughs> building that authentic connection of do you really understand the pain points of this community? Um, have you shown yourself to be a solid voice there before trying to take from the community? Have you contributed to the community?
1: Ooh, there—that's right. good. Yes, there's the yes. calculus. Are you giving before you're <laughs> yeah. trying to take?
2: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. All right. So. On the topic of personal branding, because I I do think it's really important for people who are listening to this because they usually are trying to figure out how do I build my brand and and et cetera. How do you balance between opening up and being appropriately vulnerable on socials to knowing when to hold back and when not to engage? Like, how do you build that filter?
0: Mm, That's a good question. And especially being very introverted and in my head and I'm very reserved. that's a that's something that I won't say I struggle with, but I always have to think to myself: Am I going to regret this, or am I going to regret that my kids go back and read this in several years, and that you know <laughs> she overshared, she uh, you know shared too much? Um, but at the end of it, I guess part of my my guidepost is um, one: Am I going to regret this? Two, what's the worst that can happen? And three, will this help somebody if I if I do this? Right, being vulnerable.
1: Mm. This is
2: very good. I replic. appreciate that. Like I, uh, I sometimes in like my earlier career, especially, I'd have this horrible, horrible anxiety out of it. Like I, I deal with an- like generalized anxiety. You know, thanks to time in the army, super fun. So, <laughs> um, you know, sometimes I would do like board presentations and stuff earlier on, and I'm still kind of like fledgling and figuring it out. And even if it was good, even if everyone's like, "Oh, good job, this is great." As soon as I'd leave the room, close the door, I would just have this overwhelming wave of just like, "Fuck, everyone hates me." <laughs> just like <walk> back. <laughs> and you'd like have to learn to work through that.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. For me, for me, it's the it's perfectionism, and so that's what I struggle with. Um, mm. I'm really into personality tests and assessments, and everything always tells me that that's what is is at my core is perfectionism, and so when I get in front of people, it's usually what are they. Did the message land in the way that I wanted it to? Um, Did I mess something up? Um, Did anybody get value out of this? Um, Are they going to think I'm dumb? Those type of things run through my head, and then again, I I use those goalposts of you know, is somebody going to get value? Um, What's the worst that can happen? So,
1: yeah, yeah. I mean, I would just say, at least having this self-awareness is probably a great first step, right? The What I worry about is the people who think it's awesome all the time and they got nothing to worry about because generally they're the clowns.
0: (laughs) I think you're right on that one.
1: (laughs) You know, you gotta be able to be like, hmm, I might've messed that up, but I can do better next time and sort of not beat myself up for it. We've talked about personal branding. We've talked about your journey. You've talked about community, kind of bring it all together into this concept of lift as you rise right this is a common refrain now it's not just like me solo you know skyrocket to the moon like what can i do and uh just personally for our listeners you know you and i were sat on a panel uh this past year at uh, the forum in cyber in montreal but it was you who recommended me to that panel. Thank you again. That was an incredible experience. So, you know, it was sort of like out of the blue for me. I mean, we'd been going back and forth, but I just thought that was a really uh, exemplary moment of this lift as you rise uh, concept. But I want to give you some space to talk about the importance of that.
0: Well, thank you. Um, And for me, when you talk about personal brand, um, I agree with you guys in that I really don't like the term personal brand, but that's what I want the essence of mine to be is mm-hmm. supportive and encouraging and lifting people up. Um, I'm a big uh, advocate for the underdog. Um, I feel like for many years and even now in some ways, I'm the underdog and I always want the underdog to win. Um, so nice. we talked about uh, football to the side um, that I'm always going for the the team that's that's losing usually, <laughs> um, the comeback kids. And I'm originally from Louisiana, where uh, with LSU, a lot of the times they they play from behind. Um, they're the losing team until like the fourth quarter, and then they pull it around and they win. And I mm. love that. And I love that for people. And that's what I want to see for individuals. And if I have to be the person who you know, does the hard work to break down the door. So it's a little bit easier for them to get in. I'm more than willing to do it. Um, And I know that people can't see, you know, what's behind me on camera, but I'm a big fan of Marvel Avengers. And part of that is because this, this superhero mentality and people coming together to do the right thing and, um, you know, fight against these, these uh, quote unquote bad guys and making sure that the good side wins. And for me, that's the way I want to live my life. That's the way I want to Conduct my personal brand. And that's the way I want to help other people is, you know, pull them along.
2: Rising tides, uh, raise all ships. I agree.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, Shanisa, thank you so much for the time and uh, lending us your expertise and your life story. It's been a blast.
0: Thank you so much. This has been so fun. I appreciate it.
2: Nice Thanks for joining us, friend.
0: Thank you.
1: If you liked this conversation with Shanisa Cambrick, check out our interview with Metis4, AKA Caitlin Bowden, head of human dev at Valid. Consider leaving a rating on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. It helps others find the show. New episodes drop every Monday. Listen and subscribe. We'll catch you next week, but until then, stay real. That Every time we talk though, You literally say it's been a long day, or yesterday was, if we're talking in the morning, it was like yesterday was a long day. So,
0: all long days. (laughs) No, but it's all good. It's all good. You know, world of security.